Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 130. 130. You know the significance of that number? What is it? None. Uh, uh, yeah. 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 That's so, a shame. <laughs> <laughs> so we have uh, the issue eights. Screw wait 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 screw this shit. You talked about the Avengers without me. Okay, how, how what did you think of it? Because I wanted to talk to you about this like two episodes ago. Oh god, so these people are gonna have to listen to episodes back to back with us talking about Avengers. Oh yeah, because they haven't heard that anywhere else on the internet before. This this is the the only time. This is the only place. Are we, are we using spoilers? Yes. Okay. Uh, Listen, this is this as of today. This is the number four movie of all time. So I think enough people know about it that we don't have to worry about it. It's it's only number four. It, it like the listing goes Titanic. Uh, Avatar. No, no, Avatar, then Titanic, then Dark Dark Knight. Darth Knight. <laughs> Jason is the number three movie, <laughs> and now Avengers, and it's not done yet. That's right. as of today. Okay. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it surpass them all. Yeah, well, I don't think he'll do all of them, but it's got a good enough head start that it might buy for number three at least. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think it—it's only been going for like what three weeks. Yeah, well, it—it it started Wild Pig Day. I don't remember how long ago that was. <laughs> that would be the fifth of May. <laughs> um. <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was really good. Oh, God, yes, it was. It's, um, it's a movie, I, honest to God, I would have to sit here and try and nitpick to find anything I didn't like about it. I I thought, you know, I, I discussed this with my brother, um, and I understand why they did what they did, but I kind of felt like they, they downplayed S.H.I.E.L.D. a little too much. I completely disagree. I feel like I feel like this movie did more to prop up Shield than anything else Marvel's done on screen. Not so much Shield as an agency. I'm talking about like the main players in Shield. Like when I think of Nick Fury, I'm basically thinking about like he's kind of like a version of Batman who doesn't, you know, have his customized weapons, and he doesn't have, like, you know, the bad costume. I mean, like, I when I think of Nick Fury, I'm thinking about a guy that's always, you know, three steps ahead of everybody else. He's always manipulating. He's always planning and plotting. And yeah, he did that. <laughs> well, you got that in the end. But there were, like, a number of parts where, like, it just kind of seemed where he was just, like, you know, riding on the seat of his pants, just thinking... It's like, oh, I have no idea what's going to happen now, you know? Um, yeah, well, if you look at the situation, it was it? Oh, God shows up, blew up his base, stole, like, the ultimate weapon, and he's got to shoot it with a pistol. Like, that's, he, he, like, he was as on top of things as I think is believable for him to be for this particular situation. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't need the Avengers as much. If if he had a handle on things. Well, that's and that's why I understand. Like you had to downplay their significance or their abilities in order to show why there would be a need for Avengers. I, I get that. I mean, it would have been nice to see them a little more, you know, in the game. Like when when 
Nick Fury was there when Loki was, you know, coming and everything like that, I thought that he was, like, really on top of the game. Like, he was, he survived. Like, mm. you survived that, and you've basically, you know, you've shown me that you're not completely incompetent. You know, but he was keeping it together. He was definitely keeping it together on that one. Um, but, yeah, there were other scenes where I thought he could have been, you know, portrayed a little sharper. Um you know, like what is it? The, the the one from How I Met Your Mother. Oh uh, uh, yeah, Maria Hill. Yeah. Um, I I thought she she like contributed really nothing. She was really cool, like in the opening, and they gave her like like I I would have right, that's one like little thing. I would have given her more, at least more to say, because yeah. like I feel like they like you watch that opening scene, and you think she's gonna be more important to the movie. But, like, they don't totally forget her, but she's kind of, like, the main background character, kind of. <laughs> that makes sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but, I mean, like, that's that, that's my, I guess, issues. Not really issues, but, you know, if they wanted to make it, you know, even better in my eyes, those are some things that they could have worked on. Yeah. Because it and, just, you know, it, like, I, like... You know, I, I don't, like you said, you know, she's like a main, you know, background character. Meanwhile, and there's supposed what? There's supposedly more because I looked at um the listings for the uh, deleted scene or what? Like they've announced like what's gonna be on the the different home release versions, and there's like a half an hour of footage that didn't get used, and two of it is Maria Hill's content. Okay, so maybe there's something that kind of justifies her existence in there. But, uh, I mean, other than that, it, it was a great movie. It really was. Like, like, can I tell you, like, this... Oh, my God. Like, I... I, like, I saw this twice. Mm -hmm. And the first time... Like, the second time, I because I had taken it all in before, so the second time around, I got the chance to just, like, kind of pay attention more to stuff. Like, it's like to, to actually, like, performances and little things here and there. I'm there's there's basically no one I can point at in this movie and say well they didn't do that good of a job as far as acting goes. I think Loki is above and beyond the best actor in this movie. But like I I am so I was so surprised by the characters and the actors I expected nothing from. Like I came into this going going, well, I guess the Hulk is going to be in this. I'm expecting <laughs> nothing from him. And, oh, all right, well, let's let's hope Scarlett Johansson can do a passable job. Cause, she was you know, great. Iron Man, yeah, she was great. She was actually acting. And she was doing a great job of it. And they, they even played up the fact that, yeah, you know what? She's a regular person who really shouldn't be on this team, probably. And, like, they, she got injured. She was kind of at the end of a rope and, like, really frazzled half the time. It was awesome. Yeah, no, she was she was cool. <clears throat> um, yeah, I think uh, I'm pretty sure that I, I went over this, you know, last last episode. But, um, you know, I my, my favorite part is how, like, Captain America just kind of like naturally starts leading everybody, just because you know he yeah, is and it even makes sense. Like he's yeah, and he's the only one out of that group that has has experience leading troops into combat. 
Hello. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can. Okay. I can see that. <laughs> yeah, but like, see, like my God, seriously, like, I can't believe how much I love the Hulk in this movie. And I'm not just talking about like once he transforms and starts doing cool shit. Like, what's his face that played Bruce Banner? Mark was below. Yeah, he was fantastic. Yeah, he was like, really. I good. have, like, we have had a different Bruce Banner every single time that the Hulk has shown up in a movie. And this one actually made me like this character. Like, I wanted, like, the next time the Hulk shows up, like, I would love to see the, the to see Bruce Banner in Iron Man three. Don't even put the Hulk in it. Just have him be hanging around as Bruce Banner. It, it was so good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I would love to see him in uh, Tony. Actually, yeah, I think I, I I definitely mentioned this last time. It would be awesome to see them team up. You know, Bruce Banner helping Tony to design the Hulkbuster Iron Man armor. Oh, God, that would be great. It would be a kind of a, a Superman giving Batman the kryptonite moment of, like, you know, you might need to stop me sometime. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be so great. And I think they're supposedly going to do, like, the extremist armor next. So, like, I can see, like, like, okay, put these two minds together to try and, like, develop that. Is that the one that comes out of his body? Yeah, it's like stored in his bones. Yeah, yeah. No, I like <laughs> I like the the concept of that, but I didn't really like the design of it. In fact, that I mean that's something that didn't. This is just like you know it plays no part on my you know affection for the movie. But Iron Man's uh you know the the armor that they used in this one the um, the one that was red, gold, and silver. Yeah. I didn't like I for for some reason like adding the silver into that it just it makes the costume look ugly to me. You know, I honestly didn't even notice like the difference like every like he's had like what three or four different suits of armor not counting the original silver tin can armor and in my opinion like they the difference between all of them has been so marginal like like between the first and second one it's like well the chest thing was circle, and now it's a diamond shape. And now this one, oh, it's got some some grayish parts on the knees or something. I'm like, okay, whatever. I don't even see it. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I I actually, like, pay attention to the action figures. Mm. Um, you know, so, like, and I like the Iron Man figures. I like seeing the different armors and things like that. So, like, when a, an especially cool one comes out, I will pick it up and, you know, put it at, on my display at work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you better believe the Hulkbuster armor is in there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, the the first armor, the, the Mark I, the, um, the tin can, basically. Mm-hmm. I like that one. I think that's very, very you know, visually <laughs> stunning. I like every version of that one I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, the Mark II, which was just the, the silver one was just, I mean, that was okay. I mean, obviously, they're going to use that one for the War Machine armor. Um, actually, did they? Yeah, they, they, they did. That's what they you know, yeah, based the, yeah. the War Machine armor on. Um, and then you had the, the Mark III. Um, and then, you know, from there on, it was like, you know, the traditional red and gold, basically, or, or red and silver. And then it's this latest one is like you know red, gold, and silver, and I don't know, it's just too many colors. Kills eh. it for me. 
Yeah, I mean, I I spent zero time looking at toys, so. Oh, the toys um, did not come out that great. Well, I, I'm surprised they put out more. Cause they could have just because every toy store still has toys from Iron Man One, so they should have just kept those out. Well, well <clears throat> yeah, I, and and honestly, like the the Thor figures from the Thor movie. The Iron Man figures from the Iron Man movie and the Captain America movie, you know, figures were all like heads and shoulders above like the quality of these Avengers ones. I think these the Avengers ones are all like set for you know I don't know action features or something, but they look extra bulky and extra cheap. It's just I don't know. It's it's strange. Like obviously they're gonna sell a bunch of figures because of the popularity of the movie anyway. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, it would have been nice to see, you know, them do a little nicer job on them. <sighs> Such a good movie. Mm-hmm. Is Coulson dead? Well, I think Jason mentioned an idea that they <laughs> may uh, use the Coulson personality profile downloaded into a robotic <laughs> body and uh, turn him into the Vision. That's a cool idea. That's what I something, something that occurred to me, and I would love to see that if it gets us the vision. But uh, something that I thought was, <clears throat> um, you know, th- there wasn't that much in this movie in way of Easter eggs, basically at all. But Tony Stark does make a crack about life model decoys at the beginning. And Nick Fury was the only person in the room when Coulson died and was pronounced dead by the medics, which is something we didn't get to see. So, not saying, but maybe. Hmm. Hmm. Well, there's that, and then there's also the concept that, you know, I, you know, I absolutely 100% the villain for the next movie is going to be Thanos. Thanos. Thanos, Thanos, whatever. Um, who, you know, his main thing is, you know, to court death. And so, if death wants to be like, you know what, screw you, I'm gonna, you know, screw you over by <laughs> actually bringing somebody to life or, you know, something. I don't know. Or hell, isn't one of the Infinity Gems like the life gem or something? Probably. But they, there's a billion ways they could bring him back if they wanted to. Now, and, and the Infinity Gauntlet, with its, its gems, Thor. it's in the Thor's... Uh... Yep, it's in Asgard. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Is, now, did you spoil it for yourself, or did you were you surprised by that uh, Thanos turnaround? No, somebody spoiled it for me. That's the thing that I had posted on Facebook, as far as somebody spoiling it a day after the movie came out on Facebook without any warning of spoilers. Oh, uh, is that why you did your, uh, you were going to do your culling of Facebook people? Oh, no, I got rid of that person, like, right there that moment. Nice. Um, the, the culling is, you know, more so, you know, because, you know, I, I know I'm friends with a, a bunch of people, and not even really a lot, a lot, you know, because my number is, you know, fairly reasonable in terms of Facebook friends. But, uh... Yeah, no, I just think that there's a lot of people there that I, you know, don't really interact with, and it's just kind of like taking up space because I don't really care about their status updates, and they don't care about mine. 
you know, or they don't yeah. post anything about themselves. You know, like if, if all you do is like repost, you know, like stupid pictures that I see from everybody else, then really is there any point, you know, in me being your friend if I don't even know or care who you are and you don't know or care who I am? Hmm. Yeah, I keep thinking I should go through and get rid of a bunch of people, but I'm always afraid, like, I'm going to get rid of somebody who's like a listener or something. Well, last episode, I, I made a point of mentioning that if I get rid of a, you know, a listener, you know, who uh, is friends with me on Facebook and, you know, they they're like, it's like, oh, man, I actually wanted to be friends with Jim. And like, I didn't realize, you know, you can refriend me. That's fine. Anybody that I get rid of that actually like tries to refriend me. <clears throat> I mean, that makes me think that they actually want to be my friend. Because if I get rid of you and you don't care, then you're not going to try and refriend me. I mean, it's it's probably not a game of numbers to you at this point with Facebook. So mm. I actually I went through and I there were a ton of like pages that I had liked over time, like uh, you know back when I used to play Farmville. It's like I was liking the Farmville page, a oh. page about cows. Um, the there's just a page that, for there's just a page for cows. A page dedicated to liking Farmville cows. That's even worse. It's not even a real cows. Yeah, no, it's absolutely worse. It was like <laughs> it was the kind of thing where if it was a page for cows and there was a page for like sheep, and it, who whichever one got more, then you know they were going to give away a free cow in the game. That's retarded. And, like, I just, like, I liked the page and then just never, you know, thought to unlike it, so, or dislike it. But, uh, so I got rid of a lot what? of stuff like that. So now, like, my feed is actually a lot cleaner, and I actually can just scroll through, get through it a lot quicker, and just see, you know, actual people. But, uh, I do, I have a list. I've gotten rid of, uh, about three, uh, no, four people so far. Um, and I have a list of people that I'm, you know, contemplating getting rid of also, so. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get rid of people that actually want to be friends with me. It's just that, you know, if we've never had any interactions and I don't actually know if you're reading my status at all, then, you know, it's not really Yeah. That makes sense. So. Shall we actually talk about comics now? Yes, Red Lanterns number eight. Starting with the best. This is... Where Not is really the, the best. Where is the creative team? Milligan, Guinaldo, Jimenez, and Irwin. Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. I like the badges and Steve Irwin. Yes. They tricked me by putting it in the beginning. Uh, written by Peter Milligan, pencils by... Yeah, you said already. Any... Alright, so... <laughs> uh, Red Lantern's number eight. We've got Abysmus, Jim's favorite character, that he's doing a uh, custom figure of as we speak, yeah. is okay. trudging along through the wasteland of Ysmalt till he gets to the Red Central Power Battery. Uh, rips out his own rib which there's probably some biblical significance to that one, and uses some 
black magic or something to infect the red central battery, which spreads a sickness throughout all of the red rings in their network. And, you know, the Red Lanterns, they're starting to feel a little worse for wear. They're feeling a little weaker. Their wounds don't heal as quickly, and they start to feel kind of sick. And slowly, one by one, it begins to kill them off. And while this is going on, you know, uh, uh, Zillia Zox shows up with his uh, pack of of Red Lanterns, and he, bl- he immediately blames our buddy Jack, Jack Moore, or John, if that's your preference, uh, for, you know, he, he must have done this to us. He must have stabbed Atrocitus Atro- with this giant stalactite. And immediately the Red Lantern Corps attacks Jack. Jake? Jack. <laughs> Who, you know, just sort of instinctively generates this gigantic bloody monster out of his ring that, you know, it scares everybody away for a few minutes and then disappears again. And, you know, meanwhile, Atrocitus, he wandered away. with He found Rage Kitty, which, you know, I would wander away for that, too. And he comes across the Red Central Battery and finds that it's basically been destroyed. Now, the first thing I want to start with is the thing that I think you'll care the most about, which, for some reason, I skipped over in the review, is <clears throat> Abysmus and a couple of his cronies that are just like him escaped Yasmalt in a ship. Yes. This, this ship, they make a point of saying, uh, you know, this the aged logbook in this craft suggests it was once used by someone called Eroke. Yes. Who... And, and hey Jim, Jim, whose whose name is that? Uh, that's Indigo One. That is Indigo One. That makes this the crashed ship from Tigers. Now I cannot, for the life of me, remember if they've come out and said that she is the baby, or well, yeah, the surviving baby from that Almore story. But I think this is basically saying it without saying it at this point. Or, um. Or maybe they're getting at the fact that uh, Eroke, Iraq, Eroke was uh, the parent who abandoned the ship. Because that, that's the one thing that I would wonder as far as, you know, is the baby, you know, driving the ship? Or was Iroke um, somebody else that, you know, or the baby that came back in the ship? I, I don't know. Uh, could be just incomplete logs that they're piecing together. It could be a family name. Who knows? Right. But anyway, did you did you like that little thought? Are you glad that was in there? Did that you was, like the impact? That was probably the only thing that I liked. Really? Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> I. That's not true because I did kind of like seeing uh, Jack or John, whichever your preference may be. Create the giant, uh, the giant blood monster. Yes. Oh, yes. Now that I want to talk about. That was neat. <clears throat> do you? I do not for a second think that's a construct. What? Listen. <clears throat> Earlier in this issue, uh, he tries to say his name, and 
in his head, he's like saying Jack Moore. But when he tries to say it, it's like it comes out out Rancor, which that's not even close. Like Jack and Rancor are not similar enough to say like, oh, he's feeling the effects of the ring and slurring his speech. So it comes out this other word. No. And then when he becomes when he, he gets like cornered without tr- even trying to, this thing pops out of him. So I think one of two things is happening. One, something else is trying to get into the universe from and use him as a door. Or something number two, which is more likely, this guy has been building and compiling rage his entire life without ever letting it out, which is making him regain control of his Red Lantern-ness. I, I, think, I think we're looking at something that's sort of like, okay, his rage eventually took on a life of its own, and it's trying to, to work its way out of him. And, it, and its name is Rancor. Um, my only issue with that explanation would be, like, given the red ring and the fact that he's now emanating rage and that he can control it and it didn't destroy his heart, um, one would argue that the ring is acting as, like, his tool to release the rage. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly why this is happening, because... He's been keeping his rage completely confined within him until that ring came along and turned the faucet on. So now that water's coming out. Yeah, well, I and mean, like, but... It, 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 like, having that ring on basically, it, at least opened the door a crack so this thing can start pushing on it from the other side. Yeah, well, so you, what you're saying is that the this <laughs> creation is somewhat sentient. Yep. Yes. Okay, and I, I disagree with that. I think that <clears throat> I think that it is his rage personified in the form of a construct that he is controlling. No, I no. Like I'm I'm basically like this is basically like what you know how like I I used to think the entities were formed where just so much of a net of a, a single emotion coalesced into one spot that it became so powerful it just came to life, which isn't what happened. That's basically what I think happened here, in this one guy. Um, but you see, like, that would... to Okay, for that to be the case, then you would think that it would just, like as soon as he put on the ring, like, this thing could just kind of, like, seep out of him at any point and take control and go on a rampage. Right? It's, it's, something uh, something like that? I don't know about that. If it's a sentient <clears throat> blood monster based on his rage, then, you know, it, it should be able to take some control of the situation. Yeah, but what's, like, what's been the special thing about this guy from minute one? The fact that he has enough control over his own rage that he doesn't suffer from any of the the limitating 
limiting limiting factors of your average red lantern he doesn't lose his mind he his heart doesn't stop beating he is in control enough that this wouldn't overtake him and bust out immediately um, but as soon as he as soon as he's threatened in a situation that he is in no way shape or form prepared to handle he it lets he lets loose and it comes out yeah but no it's not it's not that he's letting loose to get it out. He's actually, like, actively trying to concentrate to get this thing out to save him. Like, he's trying to create it. No, he's not trying to create it. It's It says, he's like, whatever it was that came out of my ring is fading. Without it, I've got no chance against these monsters. I try to concentrate, but it's no good. I don't know how the ring works. But... Even though he's not fully creating it, he's kind of creating a semblance of it and sending it at these creatures. No, look, the page right before it shows up, he's like, I feel the ring, I feel the rage building. I feel Jack Moore becoming a distant memory. Someone else. Uh, The ring, it hurts. Something's happening to me. Something being ripped out of me. I'm scared. And then the thing shows up. And that, so like it, like he wasn't trying to make that come out. And then when it disappears, like he knows the only thing, like he, he makes a comment how like after it's gone, he feels completely drained and he doesn't have anything to like, he doesn't know how the ring works. He's not a fighter. He's basically dead unless he has this giant scary monster that showed up out of nowhere to, to keep all of the other monsters from attacking him. So yeah, he wants to make it come back. He just doesn't know how to. I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll just have to. At this point, we basically have to leave it that you think that it's it's a subconscious, you know, sentient form buried within him, and I think it's a construct. Mm-hmm. It's basically a symbiote if they were cool. It's <laughs> um, great, Chad. I said if. The cover is uh, awful. Yeah, what are they trying? To, are they trying to keep it from falling over? What, what are they doing? Yeah, it looks like they're trying to keep it from falling over. Um, the <laughs> Blease kind of looks like a man. <laughs> Uh, Jack, his costume looks nothing like his costume. Um, Atrocitus, at this point, his face is basically just round. It's just like a human round face with piranha teeth. Mm-hmm. And they all are wearing, uh, Knight's Mesh. Yeah. Uh, and then there's some kind of, like, shadow hand in the front that makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to see Guy Gardner is still going to be a part of this. That that wasn't just a one and done confrontation. Yeah, that art was pretty good. <clears throat> Actually, the yeah. rest of the comic is not bad at all. They got Rage Kitty. Mm-hmm. Now, did you notice? Kind of like I forget where the uh, collections cut off, but I suspect these might be close to the beginning. Well, actually, no, that wouldn't make sense for half of these. Because <clears throat> all four of these books, because I read them again today, and they all have they all have a lot of exposition-y dialogue. They all 
have a lot. They all have like a common theme of like batteries. They all have. I don't. I don't know. I felt like. Yeah. Like reading them all together over the course of an hour, it felt like like they were all very much on the same page this time around. Yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see where you're what you're saying with that. I mean, like what you go with uh, New Guardians. Like you can tell that that's the first issue of a trade. Yeah. It. Oh yeah. Yeah. Big yeah. time. Which I mean, it's not bad. By any stretch of the imagination, it's just that they definitely wrote in some exposition that you know one would need if they're picking up just that trade for the first time. Yes, which I mean, it no. works out great as far as you know for a new reader. Like you could give that comic to a new reader; it's a good entry point. Yeah, I guess I just I struggle with the force formality that I feel like they're putting in the dialogue sometimes. Like, like. Like, there's sentences in there where I'm like, you know what, just take the names out. Or, like, call him Kyle instead of Lantern Kyle, or, like, just don't refer to him by name at all, because that's how people talk most of the time. Yeah. Like, I have friends who I couldn't tell you the last time I've said their name to them. Because it's just, it's not it's not necessary. I mean, I get that you're, you're conveying who the character is to the reader, but you don't need to keep doing it after, like, the first time, really? Yeah. I, don't I mean, that, that's, that's true of most things, though. I mean, but they just, they, they throw that in there so that people don't get confused if they're new. Yeah. Um, one, the big thing, my favorite thing about this issue... <clears throat> you had a favorite thing about this issue? I, I did, and it actually speaks to the larger Lantern universe... Because when I love, like when I turned the page and or turned to the last page and saw that that broken, destroyed, dead red central power battery, yeah, I was like, oh, <laughs> because and look, we, we're gonna have to talk about this at some point tonight, so I'm just gonna do it now. So you've got the Red Lantern, like the Red Lantern Corps, their battery is destroyed. And they're all infected with something that's killing them off one by one. And there weren't all that many of them to begin with. Right. Okay. You've got the Green Lantern Corps, who the Guardians are actively plotting the death and destruction of. Mm-hmm. You've got the Sinestro Corps, who, you know, their central power battery is deactivated. And as far as we know, there's like one guy left. <laughs> You've got, you know, the Blue Lantern Corps which you know, we haven't gotten there yet. I don't think those, that hasn't come out yet, but they're about to, their homeworld is about to get attacked by the Reach, right. who, as far as I'm aware, is a blatantly superior force to them since they only have, like, what, less than 10 members and a central power battery. No guardians, nothing. Right. So they're, they're, they could very easily be on the verge of extinction. You've got... Larflees, who is the Orange Lantern Corps, and you got the—he's—he's uh, <laughs> he's in the crosshairs of a retardedly powerful renegade psychopath angel. You and and uh, who else? Did, yep, I don't look. I haven't read past issue eight, but considering that the current Green Lantern story arc is a blatant rehash of the last story arc, which ended with the Sinestro Corps going away, I wouldn't be surprised if the Indigo Tribe is not long for this world. So. <laughs> Right now, we right now, 
the only Lantern Corps that doesn't appear to be on the verge of being wiped out is the Star Sapphires. And that creates like a, like a very interesting yet not forced down your throat across the board threat level to all of these books. And I kind of like it. Um. <clears throat> know i mean like it does kind of seem like they're setting it up to just you know either wipe out the cores or you know more likely wipe them out with like a couple of stragglers you know that can still access the power mm-hmm. um because i mean like i don't see new guardians ending anytime soon oh yeah i mean look they're not gonna get rid of and I, look, they're not going to get rid of the Red Lantern Corps after just giving them a book that you know has yet to be canceled. Right, but, <clears throat> you know, like, you have this Earth Lantern. You know, they've been setting it up where you have this Earth Lantern who, um, what do you call it? Like, he, ba- he can control his rage. Now, meanwhile, you have everybody else that's dying as they're getting infected by this, you know, the rage that they're connected to. Um, and also the fact that they don't have hearts. So yeah. they could very well be setting this book up so that, you know, the Earth Lantern is one of the very few, if only, Red, you know, Red Lanterns left. Um, I mean, I, I assume that Atrocitus will somehow make it out. Um, you know, whether or not he forms a new... He's probably just going to, you know, form a new battery, form a new, you know, power source or whatever. Um, it could very he, well. Go ahead. Well, uh, just that, you know, he'll this way, uh, you know, at this point, he'll know who his true followers are or whatever. Or, you know, like he'll he'll add some of them, but he won't give them all um, the sentience <laughs> that he gave him this time around or whatever. Yeah, I mean, this this could also be, like, a really good kind of, like, the old system is crashing down. It's time for a few a few strong souls to <clears throat> to establish a new one kind of thing, you know? Because, like, we, look at what we got. At the same time that all these cores are falling, we've got this mysterious new Red Lantern who can do things no other Red Lantern's ever been able to before. We've got Jon Stewart, who showed the first inklings of being able to power his ring by himself. you got Arkillo, who, you know, well, we'll get to Arkillo this month. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's, it seems, uh, I don't want to get too hopeful that they're going to finally start doing the stuff we've been wanting them to do for a year. But it seems like a very good opportunity to start. Was there anything else you want to talk about with this Red Lantern book? Uh, I guess the only other thing is they uh they take a page out to to kind of point us at the next month's crossover with Stormwatch in a very kind of dumb way. <laughs> Where did they do that? Next to the monster. It's the only page with Blees in it. Or like they're orbiting Yasmalt, Blees and her crew. Right. And they see what's going on, and they're like, huh. She's like, hey, that's a human. Humans are from Earth. I wonder why he picked a human. Hey, Skalix, go to Earth and find out. He's like, okay. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> I 
don't know why he looks like that, but okay. <laughs> Such a flimsy reason for that crossover, but you know what? Whatever, it might be fun. I'll buy it. Yeah. I'll buy that for a dollar. The one last thing that I wanted to talk about with the Red Lantern book is that, I mean, like, it's just kind of like, you know, to sum up, like, the story with Abysmus, you know, like, him trying to, like, tell his story without actually giving any details or any specifics. I mean, like, that was such nonsense. It was just, like, a complete bunch of nonsense. Like, we have no idea, you know, what actually happened. He's, like, talking in riddles. And not yeah. in, like, a way that makes me want to know. It just makes me want to not know. Yeah, it's, it's, so his whole thing is, you know, Atrocitus made me, but I had a flaw, and it was a fatal flaw that made me useless to him. And they're like, what was your flaw? He's like, I'll tell you later. Yeah. I promise you that his flaw is going to be something like, I could feel love. <laughs> That will absolutely happen. Um, he will become the first male star sapphire. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think that's going to be the case. <laughs> um, what do you call it? But, uh, yeah, like, between that and the whole, uh, what do you call it, um, you know, battery dying, mm-hmm. it's like, it's interesting because... With New Guardians, I have no idea what's going to happen, and it's awesome, because I'm just, I'm along for the ride, and it's a fun ride, and I'm really digging it. This, on the other hand, I have no idea what's going to (laughs) happen, and it's just like, I'm a little afraid, because the next one could be much worse than the one that I'm reading now. Yeah, but hell, I mean, at least this book actually has a plot now, where like, characters are moving around and doing things as opposed to where we started where it was just soliloquies and nothing happening <sighs> yeah I guess I guess that's a thing <laughs> and hey Abysmus still has the Krona shirt yeah there is that okay so now let's tackle Green Lantern number 8 let's okay so uh you know, you got the whole Indigo, you know, tribe storyline going on right now. This one's written by Jeff Johns, drawn by Doug Monkey, and then you got uh, Alamy, Champagne, and Erwin also, I guess, inking and coloring, maybe. Um, I never remember who's doing the coloring on these. Is this the one where they have a bat, or is that New Guardians? Uh, this one, they definitely have a bat. Oh, wait, no, no. They have a bat, but it's not bat doing the colors. It's Alex Sinclair doing the colors. Oh, right. It's champ. Oh, wow. Sh- sh- oh, the inks are by Erwin, Champagne, Alamy, and Monkey. Okay. It didn't, it didn't feel like there were three inkers on this one. No, it didn't. They're getting better at this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, we start at the issue, Sinestro's in uh, shackles, and uh, the Indigo Lanterns... Uh, they beat them down, and they're like, okay, you know, time to uh, convert you and suck the, the green energy out of your system. Um, and uh, Sinestro's not having that, so the, the main guy that is trying to uh, take him down, Sinestro uh, basically beats his head into some uh, bars until he dies. 
Um, and it's like, you know, you will not violate me. So I am Sinestro. And then Indigo 1 shoots him full of lasers. Indigo lasers. Um, now, meanwhile, Hal Jordan is locked up in a jail cell, and he's having a little, uh, little one-on-one conversation with Black Hand, who, who's now the, the Indigo Hand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Never thought about it that way. Well, basically, I mean, his costume's all Indigo-y. He's still uh, wearing black. It's, it's right? a little, it's Indigo. Oh, he's wearing black. No, because, it's like... Just the, it's just the lighting. Well, they, they make it very clear as far as on the one scene, like, underneath the the recap of, of uh, Black Knight page. Uh-huh. Um, you know, that you have the one panel where he's clearly dressed in black, and he's dead, and he's got the Black Lantern symbol, and directly mm. underneath that, you see his costume in indigo, and you got the indigo symbol in his eye, and he's alive. Beh. Listen, they better make him indigo, because... They didn't change his costume at all. They basically just gave him a medallion to wear. Yeah, there you go. That's horrible. That's You're like horrible. that's the laziest costume design change of all. That's just the action figure nut in you talking. That's... And that is not the laziest design change of all. The white lanterns from the end of Blackest Night is the laziest design change of all. They didn't. Nah, nah. I'm, I'm yeah, good at this. They gave him a medallion. At least he got a medallion. It's like they, he, they no, turned. They, they, gave, they, they took Blackest Night, you know, but Blackest Hand, Black, Black, Blackest Hand. They took Black Hand and they said, "Hey, you know what? This was really popular in the '70s. Wear this medallion now." They gave him a medallion and a stick. All right, the White Lanterns didn't get a stick. They're just like, "Hey, Superman, you're gonna wear a white Superman costume." Oh, and here's a symbol for the front. Yeah, that's all I got. I'm cool black hand. That. Yeah, I'm, black I'm hand. cool with that. No, that's garbage. It was for like one and... panel. Yeah, and how often was black hand shown in his uh, his attire here? Not, that, not, not that much. Several issues. Yeah, and how many full page or full panel shots did we get of him? None. Oh, God, we see his face mostly. <laughs> Now, it, it actually does show up a few times, and in any case. So, uh, yeah, you know, Indigo Lantern's like, yep, the Indigo Lantern, the uh, Black Hand's like, the Indigo Lantern's uh, saved me. They uh, made me feel actual feelings, which I was never able to feel before. Um, you know, and then he does his little color trick as far as I can sense the, you know, a, a slight, you know, sense of fear in you. You know, it's like, uh, you know, I'm also sensing hope. <laughs> because at that point, Hal, uh, Hal, you know, take, he, he garners an idea. So he, he's feeling a little bit of hope at this point. So he basically tricks Black Hand into, uh, you know, cycling through to willpower, um, which is, you know, what he was waiting for. And then in, like, one of the coolest moves in this uh, storyline so far, Hal Jordan bums a charge... Off of Black Hand's forehead. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he charges up his ring, he you know, yells out the oath. <laughs> and he's capable of, like, you know, doing these blasts and stuff like that, but his uh, automatic force field isn't working. As we can see, as he gets, like, a shard stuck. Uh, is that, like, did that go completely? Yeah, it went completely through his wrist. 
Yeah, he should be passed out right now. Yeah, that's that's like a... He shouldn't be able to use that hand at all. He shouldn't be able to clench his fists at all. I don't think he even... Like, he stops bleeding immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh... Yeah, he, um... And then he goes to fly, and, uh... Yeah, that doesn't work, so... He's like, good thing he good thing he caught that charge, huh? <laughs> yeah. So it turns out that the the charge that he uh, he got was uh, simulated energy, so he doesn't have the full full use of uh, his ring, um, and uh, all of his constructs are going to be you know very uh, unreliable and just kind of like fuzzy. Um, at which point he makes a perfectly constructed mo- motorcycle <laughs> to zoom around this indigo. Uh, I guess. Uh, main base um it takes up half the planet it's over 100 million square miles that's um, awesome and even though the ring isn't working great it gives him a map which shows him exactly where sinestro is so uh i guess that's good so he takes it takes his uh his light cycle and uh zooms straight to where sinestro is and he sees a giant and I mean, like, mega enormous, like, Statue of liberty size statue of Abin Sir. Um, and uh, it's like, all of a sudden, he's making the connection that we've been making for a really long time. It's like, how is Abin Sir connected to the Indigo tribe? And, uh, you know, apparently, you know, it's like the, the voice comes on. He is our savior, our creator. He saved us all beginning with Abin Sir's greatest enemy, and they show uh, Iraq. 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 Or Iraq. Iraq? Okay. Uh, Showing Iraq and not in her indigo form. It's like in her, you know, badass form. Um, (laughs) And then uh, an indigo shot of energy uh, knocks Hal off his feet. It knocks Hal off his feet? You're welcome. Got it. And we see that the one that knocked him off his feet was knocked Sinestro in his indigo outfit. Well, that's not all. Because I missed it the first time I looked at that page. They're sta- each of them is standing next to an indigo construct of their non-indigo selves. I think that's being displayed by the uh, like this room that he's in. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I'm just saying, like, it's I looked at it first, I'm like, oh, Indigo Sinestro, he looks cool, and there's a group shot of Indigos, but then I'm like, oh, wait, it's the it's their, like, whole before and after thing, because they're with the holograms and stuff. Yeah. So I like that. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that the Sinestro costume, the Indigo Sinestro costume, is a slightly better redesign than the Black Hand Indigo costume. Because they, like, they just took an indigo medallion and put God. it directly over his black hand symbol. Yeah, I am fine with that. I I, I also, I also do, I really like Sinestro's uh, indigo costume. So do I. Yeah. It's a good color for him. Good thing he'll keep it forever. Yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> I love how, like... Like, they they say knock so much, like, I don't even care what it means now, it's, like, lost all its impact. Yeah. It's like, when he, sh- they're, like, they say it, like, 18 times in this issue, and then at the end, Sinestro just yells it, and I'm like, uh, yeah, he said that. Yep. <laughs> um. It's like, I'm one of them, knock, baby! 
<laughs> and then like like in one panel they're like knock knock and then they're like later they're like knock 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 i'm like someone say who's there just do it just do it yeah um on the construct side of things <clears throat> i really do i do like how with the exception of the light cycle the constructs we do see Hal make are noticeably poor looking, which, you know, if we got that in any other issue, I would be like, oh, they they washed it out in Photoshop. This is a bad digital thing. But, like, I'm kind of glad you can't see much detail in, like, that grappling hook he uses and how when he first starts to form the bike, it looks kind of like, like the shape, the color looks weird and it's it's kind of hard to make out parts and all that. Yeah, and the way that he creates that map and it's absolute pinpoint accuracy. What it look. <laughs> it can still do some stuff, it just can't do everything. Apparently it can do maps really well and light cycles. Well, it has it has uh, Google Maps. And Google Light Cycles, apparently. Yeah, well that's coming next year. Apparently. Yeah. Look, do you want him to be able to do absolutely nothing with the ring, or do you want to be able to move the plot along? I would have liked to see him driving along on a motorcycle that, like, you know, each panel, it, you know, gets a little fuzzier. Mm. I thought that would have been neat. Yeah, but this, at the same time, for that, we would have to sacrifice the absolute badass idea of this this base being so huge and I'm not willing to give that up. Um, no, because, like, <clears throat> you know, you could have very easily shown, you know, the base, especially with that map. It's just that instead of the light cycle just, like, you know, crashing into a wall and disappearing, it's like you could have just shown it, you know, getting more and more out of focus with each panel. He didn't crash into a wall. Yeah, he crashed into a wall because of the map. I think he just, like, the map showed up big as life in front of him, and he got scared and fell off. And then the motorcycle got, <clears throat> I don't know, like, deleted or something, because he's just sitting there on the floor looking at all the map. Yeah. And then he recreates the light cycle, and he gets on again. Yeah, but he's on, like, a suspension bridge when this is happening. There's no wall. Like he he when he asked for a map, he expected like this little thing, and it ended up being the size of the room. Oh, okay, because so that's way, why he just fell off of it. Yeah, the way that they draw that with the top view down. Yeah, it kind of looks like he's moving fo like forward away from us and is skidding, but I think he just flopped over to the right. Oh. Okay, that's, that's confusing. Yeah. Um, the art in this was like like we said before it was really consistent for the number of anchors mm -hmm. I thought it looked really good I can't I really love like they had two full page shots in this issue the final page with Sinestro and the uh, fully charged page with Hal earlier and like the I think the Sinestro page is the better image but the Hal one is so well colored the uh, the one where Sinestro's uh, where Hal is shooting his light at uh, Blackhand. 
Yeah, or he's 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 uh, finishing the oath. Yeah, like the the coloring on that especially is fantastic. Yeah, actually, I was looking at that and I was thinking to myself, it's like, yeah, they could definitely sell like a poster or a print of that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not totally pleased with the figure, but the coloring makes it awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was a good issue. Yes, I did. I I just I just basically love the idea of. Hal charging off of Black Hand's forehead. Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued by the fact that it only kind of worked. Like, the whole... I mean, it makes sense that it's not genuine willpower energy. That it's their approximation. So, that... And I like the fact... I, he's, Hal has a fake ring that's running on fake willpower. <laughs> <laughs> this just gets worse for him. Now... Here's something interesting to note. Hal Jordan, he's got the light cycle, you know, he's got his fake green energy and everything like that, and it's all working, and it's all fine and good. And then all of a sudden, Sinestro comes in, and, uh, you know, he's got his indigo ring, and he's an indigo lantern and everything. Uh So, basically, what I'm getting at is... Sinestro is no longer using the green ring, and Hal has just got his one fully functional ring, you know, untouched, you know, untouchable by Sinestro, and untouchable by the Guardians. Okay. I'm just pointing that out. Why? Because I think it's going to be pertinent down the line. Okay. I think... I I can't look at this and not be like, okay, well, they're definitely when you when you consider how much planning they put into, you know, Blackest Night and uh, you know issue twenty five of the Sinestro Core War, how many you know how much stuff they planned beforehand, you know that led up to that. It's like you know that they're leading towards, you know, like this new you know, war where the Guardians are going to basically, you know, take out the Green Lanterns. Now, you know, they can do whatever they want with the Green Lanterns, but you kind of have to keep the Earth Lanterns around in order to support all these books. So they have to be writing themselves a back door. So basically what I'm looking for, I'm looking at, you know, the back doors, I'm looking at the keys. And the fact that Hal has this, you know, this side ring, you know, that works on willpower, but it's not sanctioned by the Guardians, and now even Sinestro isn't controlling it. And, you know, like, that's that's a that's a big plot point. Yeah, yeah, but Sinestro's con- Sinestro not controlling it is going to last exactly as long as it takes Sinestro to no longer be an Indigo Lantern. Like, But he's... we don't know that. Yeah, we do. Why would he, why would he come back? Look, I, look, let's make no bones about this. Sinestro is going to go back to being green probably yes. sooner rather than later. So I why, agree with you. Why would he suddenly lose the ability to control Hal's ring like he has had since issue one? Well, what if Hal has to create a ring for him? Because we, we don't know where Sinestro's ring is. Hmm. So the two of them 
could be working. Oh, it's like, oh, you took your ring, you made a copy of it for me. Well, now I'm going to do the same thing with my ring, you know? And now you can't hurt <laughs> me or whatever. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like it's going to be one of those things where, like, Sinestro still has it on him or something, or it's in the next room. That could be. My biggest question is if it'll have a charge or not. Um, <clears throat> they're gonna have to be able to get energy somehow, or in actuality, I guess all they really need is to bum enough charge off of one of these other indigos and uh, create a rocket ship for themselves to <laughs> get to a point, point, you know, a point where they can charge up. Yeah, I mean, they, Hal could probably do that now, you know? Huh? Hal could probably do that now. Probably, but he doesn't want to leave Sinestro behind. Yeah. Speaking of which, Sinestro is such a awesome, awesome person. <laughs> oh yeah, that was badass. <laughs> like he like the guy starts. He so he he chews the 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 tenderly veiny things that are trying to leech his willpower away, and then shoot, he blows a hole through like the cage he's in and starts beating the guy to death. <laughs> and this is a scary looking creature too. Yeah, and his battery has got, like, giant spikes coming out of the back of it, too. Yeah, and he hits Sinestro in the face with that. Yeah. It's like some kind of, like, Resident Evil monster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So. Yeah. It was a good issue. It was, yeah. It's not like... This was not one of the uh, the longer reads. But it was definitely a good issue. No, but again, it felt like there was... There's some good plot movement movement in this one. I enjoyed it more for like the way that they played with. They did a lot of playing with the power in this issue, and I enjoyed that a lot. Yep, I'll agree with that. <clears throat> okay. Speaking of power, Green Lantern Corps number eight, written by Peter J. Tomasi, drawn by per- Fernando Pissarin. <laughs> Fernando Pissarin. Uh, yeah, that guy. Uh, Scott Hanna, the one inker. One inker, everybody. Oh my god. Uh, Gabe LPAB, colorist. Yeah, that's all. That's all of them. So, <clears throat> we open with the Alpha Lanterns being summoned to the, the Alpha Lantern Citadel, I guess. The chamber of the Alpha Lanterns, which is this giant black obelisk in, on Oa that looks really really threatening. <laughs> I nominate, we call it the Chamber of Justice. Alright. So they're there, and they're reviewing the, uh, the basically the ring footage of John killing Kurt. And <clears throat> they're kind of, it's actually kind of interesting because uh, the Alpha Lanterns are being characterized as kind of rational and kind of reasonable, but just enough. To not make us hate them as robots, and they, <laughs> and they decide, and they decide that all right, you know, we our duty's clear. We can't care about public opinion. We're going after John Stewart. He murdered a Green Lantern. Spe- speaking of John Stewart, him and Guy and like a thousand other Green Lanterns <laughs> are moving the now defunct uh, yellow. Central power battery 
that Sinestro dropped off. And they're going to bury it in a shallow grave on Oa. And, you know, they've all put in a lot of work and time and energy to digging this hole that's exactly the right size and dimensions and moving this thing all this way. And Guy's like, screw it, hits it with a giant hammer and knocks it in sideways where now it's stuck and it's not buried and they have to start over and they hate him. <laughs> and after the routine chewing out from Sally, Guy gets summoned to the Guardian's chamber where, you know, that's fine. He gets yelled at a lot, right? No different this time. Except they promote him. <laughs> and we get a nice little blah-ha-ha-ha-ha laugh homage to the Justice League International days. And and the Guardians are like, you know what? You, you know, your, your methods kind of suck, but you're right more often than not. So we want to put you in a position of authority where you answer directly to us. You're even in charge of Salik. He'll love it. <laughs> and Guy accepts. I think he even names his position. He's he's just that humble of a guy. Uh, but they they give him this on the condition that he tone down his approach and he, he act in a way appropriate for someone of his status. <clears throat> so, you know, cut to Warrior's Bar, which again is on Oa. And you get you actually see Guy trying to dial it back a little bit. You know, there's there's this this little confrontation with these mercenaries or whatever that come in for a drink but won't check their weapons at the door. And you know, half an hour ago, Guy Gardner would have immediately responded by punching people in the face, but this time he tries he, he tries to like explain to them, look, the rules are rules. This is our place. This is what you got to do. And then he goes back to his drink. And, you know, it's nice and peaceful for two panels. And then he it erupts into, a, like, a gigantic brawl. It's a... It's a <laughs> it's, it's, oh, God. If, if they had guns, this would be the final fight with the Keepers. This is insane. And then all of a sudden, the Alpha Lanterns break in through the ceiling. Because, you know, the door wasn't there or anything. And... They announced to the entire world, John Stewart is under arrest for murder. Dun dun dun. The first now, thing that I want to say. Yes, you go. <clears throat> the art in this issue, I think this might be like the best art that. And Fernando Pissarin is, you know, he's delivered pretty consistently since he started. Oh yeah. And I <laughs> just think that. This issue, I think, is probably his best. Yes. Like, this is... I mean, look, I, you know how I felt about his art out of the gate from the relaunch, and how I thought it was kind of rocky the first several months, but this is... This is amazing. This issue is perfect. It's gorgeous. I, from the the room in the Citadel, the, the Chamber of... You know, the Chamber of Justice. Um, <laughs> I have to remember the name that I gave it. If this, if if the Avengers movie was art, it would be this issue. Yeah, the the energy coming off these, you know, these uh, Alpha Lanterns. I, I mean, I hate the Alpha Lanterns, and the, the page with them, you know, uh, doing their oath is gorgeous. Uh, man, everything, just you got all the different, you know, aliens in the background, the Green Lantern aliens as their that, that full page shot of the battery. Yeah. Oh my god, that's a talk about like, like that was a perfectly planned planned page too because it's like 
you get this immense feeling of scale because like they purposely gave you a shot that was close to the ground looking up and they you it's surrounded by all these people that are at least close to normal human size so you get you get the feeling like they're moving like like the statue of liberty somewhere you know it's gigantic and it feels gigantic um yeah it's just and even the the sinestro core symbol in guy's eye when they're looking at the battery mm. like the close up of uh, john and guy's rings when they're like this during the scene transition and like the energy just coming off of them in two different ways because that's right. just how they are yeah uh, I, and the whole thing is gorgeous. <clears throat> yes. I mean, yep. Yep. Go, go. No, 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 no. I keep hanging you off. Oh, I, I mean, like, I don't know what I was gonna say. Um, this, this is a good issue, I would say. But I mean, like the, you know, the art alone, I would say, makes it worth buying. Absolutely. <laughs> And this was another issue where, like, yeah, there's a little two-page fight scene at the end, but it was mostly a talking heads issue. And it's one of those where, like, it's visually engaging enough and what's happening is engaging enough that you don't really care, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, I have two problems with this issue, and they're both kind of... They're stupid, they're kind of nitpicky, I guess, but they kind of jumped out at me. Okay. One is... Look how many of them it's taking to move this battery. Right. Sinestro brought it there by himself. <laughs> I don't I refuse to accept the notion that Sinestro is like a hundred times as powerful as any one of these people. True, but Sinestro may have a way to move it that he's not actually doing the pushing because it was uh, his battery. Like he turned on its its warp reactor and just flew it by with by remote control. What did he do? Sure, we'll go with that one. <coughs> oh, okay. Or because he was also taking the Sinestro core members that were in a coma, so he could have been tapping into their you know their fear powers to move it as well. All right, why not? Second, <laughs> this bar is on Oa, right? Right. So they let mercenaries and bounty hunters wander into Oa <laughs> for a drink and uh, then leave? <laughs> well, <clears throat> why not? Because it's Oa? It's like... It would be like if a biker gang went into, like, police headquarters, dropped their guns down to have a beer, and then picked them back up and left. Like, no, they would get arrested immediately, or they wouldn't be allowed in. Um, And for for that matter, didn't didn't Jon Stewart just kill a guy to keep people from getting into Oa? Like, how how did these guys get past the vibrational transatlantic key? System. They probably had business on Oa. Okay, think of it like this. If you have an army, then you're not going to let the army on your planet because they could do a lot of damage. But Oa 
is also like a you know it also has like a giant bustling city in which case you need people to get on and off you need workers you need supplies you need and, mercenaries well the mercenaries may have either been transporting supplies or they could have been transporting people to and from Oa so maybe somebody said oh we need somebody to come to Oa and pick us up to bring us back because you know we're going on leave or whatever you know, whatever. Um, I don't. The mercenaries is like, oh well, we don't have any jobs right now, so we'll come pick you up. <clears throat> no, no. Look, I, they were there for a fight scene. I get it. It just fell apart when I realized, oh yeah, that's where they are. Hmm. I, hmm. There's so many people on Oa that are not Green Lanterns. Like who? Like, like the bar, the bar guy. The, the 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 bartender. The bartender's not a Green Lantern. Where is I'm trying to find a shot with him in it. It's the second uh, panel on that giant fight scene. <laughs> second one down. He's behind the bar. He's clearly not a Green Lantern. He could be off duty. Even the uh, the guy helping him on the side, not a Green Lantern either. He's wearing oh. jeans and a blue T-shirt. <laughs> and he's okay. Okay, so. Two guys who work there. No, there's a lot of people that work on Oa that are not Green Lanterns. You can't, because, listen, if you're a Green Lantern and you're going (laughs) to Oa, you can't also be the guy that's going to be the cook for everybody if you're a Green Lantern. You can't already have. They already had a guy who was exactly that. His name was Greet. He was the cafeteria dude. Yeah, but you can't have, like, you had one. You can't have, like, a million people running the city and then also patrol their own, you know, sectors if they're, you know... And who the hell gets picked for that duty? I mean, honestly, <laughs> you have Hal Jordan, who's who does nothing but patrol Earth, even though he's got, like, an entire sector. And, you know, they've been talking about it for years. For years, he would just basically patrol on Earth. And, you know, and then you have some other schmo who's got to patrol their own, you know, their own sector, and then also work in a bar dealing out food for <laughs> people that happen to come to Oa? I mean, how do, you, how do you get that shitty duty? Maybe you like bartending. Maybe it's something that you used to do back home that you wanted to pick up again somewhere. I mean, hell, hell Guy Gardner doesn't have to run Warriors. He could just not do it at all or do it back on Earth, but he chose to do it and do it here. Yeah, but he set up warriors and then he got people to work in it so that he could go off, do his own job and go back home to earth. If he wants, this is just a place for everybody to unwind. If they happen to be on Oa and want to drink. Yeah. Look, I can buy there being like support staff that a lot of support staff. Well, I've never noticed them before, but look, I, I can buy there being support staff for warriors and for general maintenance so the Green Lanterns don't have to do it all, but I cannot uh, buy or get behind the idea that it's for anybody but the Green Lantern Corps. Like, I do not in any way, shape, or form see Oa as this this hub that just anybody can stroll into. It's that kind of, that takes that completely takes away everything they were fighting to stop happening in the Keepers arc. No, because it's it's a completely different 
subject because if these people, like, you wouldn't know the difference between an army trying to invade your planet, because it was an army that they were going to have invade. Mm-hmm. They were they had an invading mm-hmm. army, as opposed to a ship of mercenaries who have, like, you know, guns and swords up against an entire Green Lantern Corps. You know, like, you're going to allow a ship of mercenaries to come on, because they probably have business otherwise. So why not... So, so but that would... Ugh. The keepers could have packed an an unassuming looking ship full of keepers, flown right in onto Oa under the guise of oh it's just some mercenary ship or oh it's just a cargo ship or whatever. You honestly and then all think, of a sudden and then all of a sudden hey there's keepers on Oa. You honestly think that the guardians are not going to be able to scan a ship and see how many people. Are, are in it, and, you know, if their weapons are a threat to the Green Lantern Corps. You think the Guardians are actively scanning for anything? Oh, I don't think the Guardians are, but I think that they've set up precautions. <sighs> Whatever. The whole... No, this, the whole, this whole thing is stupid. Uh, I mean, I find it believable. Please. Haven't we seen these monsters before? I don't know. No. I feel like early in the Green Lantern Corps... You might be thinking of the polar bear family. Uh, probably. <laughs> so what do you think about Guy Gardner's promotion? I think that he should have been a lot more suspicious. Yeah, but with Guy's ego. It's true. <clears throat> I mean, you do have his ego, but... I mean, like, the fact of the matter is, like, when he got in there, you know, it's like, wait, you know, you you actually think I'm right? <laughs> and, you know, they're like, no, you know, we, we think that you've been, you know, overlooked. You've been in the shadow of the Earthlanders. And the other thing that, you know, you have to, you know, think it's like, we want to give you... Oh, wait, wait. Yeah, here it is. You've been overlooked. You've been in the shadow of other Earthlanders for far too long. Yet... You know, for a while, he's been in, in the Honor Guard, which is a lot more than you can say for, you know, Hal Jordan and uh, Kyle Rayner. They've never been in the, in the Honor Guard. I mean, Kyle was the torchbearer, and Hal Jordan destroyed everything, but he wasn't a torchbearer or a uh, Honor Corps. Well, Kyle was in the Honor Guard. Hal? Kyle. Was he? Yeah. Oh, okay. At first, it was like, it was Guy and Kyle. Oh, right. I completely forgot about that. Because it was unmemorable. Oh. Yeah, I mean... But, yeah, I mean, yeah, so what I'm saying is, like, (laughs) Guy should definitely be thinking about this in the back of his head, like, it's like, well, I'm like, it's a little odd that they want to give this to me. Yeah, they're definitely just setting him up to be a fall guy, right? Oh, definitely something like that. And the other thing that I was looking at is now they're going to make Salak report to Guy. Which I cannot wait to see an instance of that happening. I want to see... <laughs> that could be the funniest, most rub-his-face-in-it kind of moment. Well, 
I realized why they did that upon second reading of this. Oh, why? It's because if you have Salak that, you know, constantly reporting to the Guardians, then he's going to pick up on, you know, this whole, you know, wiping out of the Green Lantern Corps and the Third Army a lot faster Uh, than Guy would. Okay. Hmm. Speaking of Salak, I do love that, uh, when they have that argument and all of their points are being illustrated by construct clouds around them. Including Guy's snarky version of everything that Salak thinks. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're just hanging out, having dinner with Sinestro and the Guardians, playing poker. <laughs> <laughs> having a beer together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, the per- the top panel that's all, like, direct like, homages to actual panels, too, for, like, like that Sinestro kneeling with, like, the, uh, the scar on his back from, uh, uh, the beginning of the Sinestro Corps War, and there's that shot of him after he just shot Green Arrow from, uh, uh, Rebirth. Yep. It's everything. Oh, it's so good. <clears throat> <laughs> now, what about now? Let's talk about the Alpha Lanterns. Okay. Because yes, yes, <clears throat> we hate them. We have a very bad history with the Alpha Lanterns, who just kind of got dropped on us and then not used very often and not very well. Well, I mean, my issue with the Alpha Lanterns is, you know, it's all <laughs> that. But then, in conjunction with that, it's the fact that, like, as a concept. They don't really make sense. Well, well, I mean, you're trying to merge the um, the intuition and you're merging what you call the best parts of the Green Lanterns with the best parts of the Manhunters. You know, so you have the intuition of a lantern, um, you know, and the ability to like, actually think about things and decide, you know, what's right and wrong. And then also the logical, analytical aspect of the Manhunters. But, I mean, like, how do you, you know, it's like, how do you rectify the concept of, like, you know, data from Star Trek before the emotion uh, chip and after the emotion chip? I mean, they're basically, he's of two completely different minds. He's going to look at things with emotion, or he's going to look at things without emotion, logically. Yeah. I mean, if anything, it's like, uh, it's almost like the dilemma that Spock has. You know, that he tries to look at everything super logically, but every once in a while, you know, he does let his emotions affect his decisions. I mean, it's not as rigid as that with these characters, though, and it's not—it's not like emotions versus logic. It's not like it's—it's a—it's a matter of like, like they still have their minds and their emotions, but now they're hardwired to to know that doing their duty is more important. So it's like the thing I liked about the opening scene of this is that 
like this is probably the the best written the Alpha Lanterns have been since they were created. And like they had this <clears throat> like the conversation they had about, you know, all right, we're agreed on what we need to do, but you know, are we prepared for the backlash that is going to cause? Like this painted them as like you know, these are still the same the same determined, you know, narrow mind isn't the word but these are still the same the same duty driven alpha lanterns that we've seen since they were created but at the same time you know they're kind of they're taking everything into account equally even though that like the more human side of things isn't going to sway them I agree that this is the best that they've been written and you know it's it's an interesting take on them, but I absolutely 100% believe that up until now, the Alpha Lanterns are basically written however, you know, the particular writer at the time wants to write them to fit them in the story. Yeah. So it's like if, you know, if somebody wants to, you know, tell an Alpha Lantern story where they're more robotic than anything you know, they're going to do that. And it's just like, you know, I think because of that, because of them, you know, not really deciding which way they're going to go, it makes it confusing as to what they actually are. Yeah, but at the same time, this is, what, the fourth time they've ever been used? And it's uh, the no. first... No, they've been used quite a few times. But there's... You have, you have okay, you have when the... Final Crisis, you have the, when they were first created uh, in Green Lantern, you have, let's see, one, you have at least two stories in uh, Green Lantern Core, and I think there was a third one. Alright, I there's the Final Crisis one, there's the Green Lantern one where they bust Lara. Right. There is the, <coughs> the, uh, awful Boudicca two-parter mm-hmm. in Green Lantern Corps. There is the the um, the one the cyborg Superman one mm-hmm. in Green Lantern Corps. <clears throat> uh, I mean, they showed up during Blackest Night mm-hmm. and and I think that's this. Okay, so this would be like their sixth story mm-hmm. what but whatever like they they've only shown up a literally a handful of times and this is their first appearance in the new 52 so i think it would be remarkably easy to say all right this 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 right here this is the alpha lanterns now we're doing it this way from here on out i hope so <clears throat> yeah i just like i think like when i read these alpha lanterns i'm not reading like the the old cliche black and white alpha lanterns that we've gotten those other five times i like this better right yeah i would reading this it kind of gave me the impression that it's like we're basically reading like uh law and order oa <laughs> You know, that's that's what the, the the feeling that I got. Like as you know, they're talking. It's like immediately after 
they finish their uh, their oath, it's like you hear that dun dun. <laughs> I'd love it. But yeah, that's that. This is cool. And if they keep it like this, where they are more, you know, yeah. if you'll excuse the term human. Yeah. But uh, we'll see. <laughs> it's especially good here because, like the again, they want to play this up as the military book or whatever. So it helps that there are all these different levels and rankings to to play with and how see how like they interact with each other because you know you got the regular sector lanterns you've got the administrators like Salik you've got whatever the hell you want to call Guy Gardner's new position you've got the honor guard you've got the guardians and it's like all right how are these all going to interact when they all have their own agendas <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, hope maybe uh, maybe Guy in his new position will be able to put in a good word for John. Oh yeah, well, that's, I'm sure that's exactly all it'll take to help things. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I mean, definitely props to Peter J. Tomasi for using the Alpha Lanterns well. Yeah, and uh, to Fernando Prasarin for making me you know, actually dig the way that they look and enjoy them on that aspect also. Yeah, and that, that, um, that panel where Guy is, like, clenches his fists together right before he makes the hammer, so, again, perfect coloring on that shot. I, I like the, I love the panel where he, like, you know, puts his wrists out to get slapped, <laughs> it's like here's my wrists slap away yeah Absolutely. and the gu- the guardians like Pasarin is drawing the guardians looking extra creepy <clears throat> like like their heads are so huge and it's awesome um you know we didn't really you know do the buy borrow pass thing um but I okay so this one I would definitely go with buy Oh yeah, definitely buy. Uh, Green Lantern. Buy. Mm, yeah, I would say buy <laughs> too. Uh, Red Lanterns. Um. I'm torn between buy and borrow. <laughs> <laughs> I you laugh. I'm serious. There's like there's stuff I legitimately got out of this and really like. Yeah, I'm I'm torn between pass and burn it with fire. Because <laughs> I love, like, again, like I love the fact they're continuing Guy Gardner's involvement in the background. I love the like that. I love the implication of the last page of that issue, and I love this concept that you know maybe it's in my head, but I love the the idea of this like sentient rage thing trapped inside Jack trying to get out. So. I would, if there was a middle ground between buy between borrow and buy, it would probably get that. I'll just um, I'll say borrow. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm thinking maybe it's more of like a meta aspect for me where they want me to feel rage when I read the comic. Oh, there you go. See. So maybe probably... the maybe the angrier we get at it, the more its sales go up. That's, that's <laughs> we're charging it. <laughs> Uh, the angrier we get, the better the storyline goes, and then yeah. and then once we start liking it, then the storyline turns to crap. It's 
exactly what happened to Bleeds. Oh. <laughs> uh. I got I, I I just closed Green Lantern Corps. I remember when I took this out of the box, I saw this cover. I was like, what the hell? What? Because <laughs> it looks like John wrestling a Yeti <laughs> for no reason. I'm like, I thought we were telling a different story. <laughs> but it made sense by the end, obviously. But <laughs> uh, Okay, so uh, we got Green Lantern New Guardians? Yes, yeah, speaking of wrestling Yetis. There's no Yetis in this. I was giving you a segue. Take it and run. I'm going to take it and run all right. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I know you don't. Who's this by? I mean, I know that it's uh, Kirkham and Bedard and Bat, but I don't actually see the the page where it gives the breakdown. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. It's the the final page. It's It's Kirkham, Bat, and Bedard. Written by Tony Bedard. Penciled by Tyler Kirkham. Inked by a bat. Nay Rafino. Oh, I'm sorry. uh, Nei Rafino. Colorist. You can't can't forget her. She is the most important person in Green Lantern comics. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so... uh, Got a nice Arkillo cover here. Um... We open on Korrigar, where the Weaponer, remember him uh, from uh, a couple storylines back, he's the guy that made Sinestro's, the, the original Yellow Ring. Grown. Um, he's about to be put to death. Uh, Yay! Arkillo flies in and uh, frees him, and he's like, what's uh, been going on? Are you just going to, like, groan at everything I say? <laughs> no. I'm yeah. sorry, I hated this character and his introduction so badly. <laughs> well, I was so happy to see him about to be killed, and then Arkillo stopped it. Uh, I always tell you. I'm kind of glad that he's here for this story. So, uh, yeah, Arkillo breaks him out, and they uh, they team up a bit, and then uh, we get the exposition for the beginning of the trade um, as far as, you know, a recap of what happened you know, last time around and reiterating that they have to go now, you know, try and take out Larflees. Um, and, uh, you know, their, their charges are, are all depleting, so, you know, they're going to have to go their separate ways to charge up, basically. Um, and, uh, what you call it? An interesting thing, since they were, you know, in this giant citadel <laughs> when the Sinestro Corps went offline, Arkillo's ring has not, you know, put him in a coma. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that was helpful. So he's like, what's going on here? You know, I got to get to Korrigar. And he flies off immediately. And uh, Monk, he flies off to uh, Indigo Land. Um you know, that's dealt with on issue Green Lantern number nine. Um, which, if that's a if that's supposed to be a crossover, that's a really <laughs> subtle one. <laughs> Green Lantern crossing over with Green Lantern New Guardians. Um, so Blease decides to go to uh, Earth with Kyle to uh, make sure that he's not going to be attacked when he gets there. 
Saint Walker goes off to uh, Odom. I think, right? Was he going to Odom or was he going to Earth Two? Um, no, I think he's got to go to Odom. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and I think they they deal with that also in the uh, Blue Beetle number nine. So they all go their own ways. Now you know you have uh, back on Korrigar, Arkillo, and the Weaponer. They're uh, fighting their way to some kind of mysterious location, and uh, Arkillo's you know ring is just you know it's running out of juice rapidly, fighting off an army to you know to get through them. And uh, they you know head down into the sewers. <laughs> They go into uh, the Weaponer's, like, secret weapon chamber that he set up to build a, a nice little little something-something. But before that, we have Star Sapphire Fatality go to Zamoron. And let me just say how much I love Tyler Kirkham's art again. As I admire this page. Keep going. <laughs> she charges up her battery. And we get a very, very interesting little point from the Zamorans, the ones that, you know, keep the uh, Star Sapphire core going. The, yeah, uh, huh? I was going to say props to them, by the way, because theirs is the only core that's not on the verge of death. <laughs> so far. Yeah. <laughs> Give it a week. Yeah. <laughs> or a month. Um, yeah, so we find out that, um, you know, yeah, we want you to find out what's what's going on with this ring, but it's like, be careful, because not even the last angel of Vega could open up the black hole and, you know, get up get out like that. He had to have help from this side. So, so now, like, we have to suspect that there's somebody that's, you know, aiding Invictus as well, uh, which I have my suspicions, but we'll get to that. You think it's aid? Of course I do. I think she set up the whole thing. <laughs> so, uh, you know, then we we go back to the Weaponer, and we see that, like, he knew how treacherous Sinestro was, and he had a feeling, you know, what was going to happen the whole time. So he gets rid of his ring. He shuns the Sinestro core that he originally shunned his White Lantern net for. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy changes allegiance, like, faster than... Somebody does something fast. That's the best thing you've ever said. <laughs> uh, he changes allegiances faster than Barry Allen wipes himself. What did he build, Jim? <laughs> so they go into his, his creepy little chamber. Uh, God. Where really all, all he has is a hammer and a shield. And the things that he's able to make with nothing but a hammer and shield is really just uh, astonishing. Uh, he finds he out about fire. The... Huh? Yes, fire and a stool. Yeah, he does have that too. <laughs> um, he finds out about the orrery, so he makes a deal with uh, Arkillo, which I mean, you can you could tell though that he was going to give it to Arkillo anyway. But he says, you know, at least now I can actually get <laughs> something out of it. He makes a very special Sinestro core battery and uh, and ring that is not, you know, attached to, you know, the other core and everything like that. It's its own ring. The only thing is, it's unstable and untested. Um, you know, so Arkillo's like, yeah, I'll take your damn ring. It's like, you know, 
I haven't lost faith in the powers of fear. And uh, so he, you know, goes out fighting to take out the weapons <laughs> or the people trying to chase after yeah. the other dude. Yeah, I love I love it. Like, Arkill is like, why don't you put the ring on the weapon? It's just like, are you crazy? I'm not putting that on. Yeah. How do you put it on? It's probably not going to work. You do it. <laughs> I, I just think it's hysterical that, like, if you look at the one panel where you have the, the power battery, you know, and the mm-hmm. ring and the vice, and the power battery, you know, it's clearly dead. There's no energy coming out of it whatsoever. Yeah. And then, like, on the next page, you see energy crackling out of it, and the only thing that the weaponer has got is, like, a, vi- like a, a rip <laughs> to hold the thing. And his giant hammer. Like, it's he just like hit he the just, hammer and turned it on. <laughs> he just he hits it with the hammer until it gets filled with energy. <laughs> I don't understand how his tool... Like, if it accidentally turns off, do you just drop it? Do you, you just shake it? <laughs> God. Uh, uh, so what do, you think, what do you think of this? Like, because Arkillo is essentially the Kyle Rayner of the Yellow Lantern Corps now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's awesome um, because like if anybody deserves <laughs> the the one like kind of working Sinestro core ring, it's Arkillo. But uh, what do you call it? I, I also think it's awesome that like they gave him the limitation by saying that it's unstable. Yes. You know, so, like, you know, you have that kind of, like, weakness built into the ring as well. I wonder how that'll manifest itself. Like, will it just start to, like, blink out every now and then? Like, uh... Or, what you call it, or, like, he'll be doing something and maybe, like, it'll, like, spark up? Yeah. Like, remember how it was when Guy Gardner had it back in the old days? Where, like, it would work most of the time, but every now and then would stop? And it was also the fact that he uh, always needed to bum a charge off of a Green Lantern nearby. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. We'll see how Arkillo, if Arkillo does as well with his limited ring as Cal does with his. Uh, I, I really want to see him run into Sinestro. Oh, I'm sure you will. <laughs> I, especially, it has to happen. Especially after that oath at the end. Did not notice he changed it from Sinestro's might to Arkillo's might. That's awesome. I didn't notice that. <laughs> um, I liked, you know, once they're outside of the orrery, the bars. Piles apparently got pretty good cell service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I also like how as soon as they fly out of the orrery. We get a picture of Bleez, um, and it's like the first time since her introduction or her origin story that I've actually thought somebody drew Bleez, like, attractive. Is it the, what, the page where it's like her questioning Kyle's existence? Um, it's, uh, the page where they're all, like... 
the page after you have that little sidebar with Invictus at the bottom. You know, oh, okay. You see, like, the rainbow of them <laughs> shooting out of that hole. Yeah. I don't know. For some reason, like, the way that everybody draws her, I'm not big on, but here I actually liked it. Right above Sad Monk. Yes, exactly. Which I also <laughs> like that, too. Charming. Yeah, how... What, that's such a dick move of him. He's, he is at full power and can teleport. And they're all out of gas and need to fly across the universe. And he just leaves. Later, guys. <laughs> yeah. Pick, I'll identify the bodies later. Bye. <laughs> you know... No, no, you go first. I wonder if um, Glomulus is ever going to have any issues as far as, you know, needing a charge or anything. I'm sure that has to come up eventually. Because, I mean, if it's just him changing his form, it's he's just kind of recycling his own energy. But if he fires, like, a beam or something, then that should really take away from himself. <laughs> maybe, I mean, it could be, they, they could actually write it off as simple as, like, uh, St. Walker is charging up Kyle, but Kyle is also charging up Glomulus. So that Kyle, uh... you know, like the, the, the Blue Lantern effect is neutralized because Kyle is also supplementing Glomulus. Forgot about it. Yeah, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. Nice. I do like the other page where uh, Bleez is questioning Kyle's existence. I actually just like all the art in this. Yeah. <laughs> we all know that I'm a Kirkham fan, so, you know. Yeah. It was, it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this issue, when I read it, like, a couple things clicked into place for me that I should have realized sooner. You're breaking <laughs> up a little. The fact that I knew... Yeah. Am I okay right now? Yes. So we're good? Okay. Yeah. I knew that the two-issue crossover with Blue Beetle was coming, <clears throat> like, in, like, a month or something. And I also knew that the Invictus storyline was supposed to run through 12. But it didn't register in my head until reading this that, oh, okay, they're going to have to take a break from the Invictus storyline to go do the Blue Beetle thing. (laughs) And I don't really like that. I would rather just, I would rather they wrapped up the Invictus story and then did the Blue Beetle thing, you know? I, I just... Um... It feels like an an unnecessary detour. Yeah, but I mean, in this particular book, you kind of need to do the detours occasionally. Like, like this with this issue, you had the complete detour because Arkillo had to go and basically get a new ring. Well, yeah, but what about that needed to happen before they beat Invictus? I mean, unless there's something super special about his new ring or the weaponer is going to be super vital to to stopping Invictus. 
then all like the only thing you would have to do is oh well that's what it was the weaponer wants Invictus's aura ring yeah so you had but, to do that you know you have to give him the ring and let him know about the aura ring before they take on Invictus yeah but provided that the aura ring doesn't get blown up like I think it will it would still be there like <clears throat> like this the this exact issue could have played out this exact way after Invictus was defeated. Like they they deal, the Invictus thing resolves itself however it resolves itself. They all leave. They're like, man, our rings sure are empty now. And Atro- uh, Atrocitus, Archillo tries to get his update. That plays out the same. He goes to the Weaponer. They're about to execute him. He gets the new ring, and then they're like. Like, oh, how could you not know about it? And he tells them about the Ori, which is still out there, because they still have to figure out what to do with it. And then the Weaponer's like, oh, you can have this ring if you help me get that ship. Uh, I mean... I kind of like the idea of taking a break um, so you can tell like a story like this. And additionally, I think... That by you know taking the break and extending the length of the story, it makes the story seem even more like you know grandiose and epic because it takes it takes that much longer. But it's not like you have you know it's not so much like filler like uh, like when you buy I don't know say the siege from Marvel you know and it's seven issues and like the middle three issues nothing happens. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I mean, I feel like it. The whole story just loses its steam when you know they're gonna take a month off and do something completely unrelated. I mean, unless there's so, like, the only thing I can think of is if there's a reason that they need to end the Invictus story. Like, if if the Invictus story is going to end in a way that becomes really important and relevant for the third army war or whatever they want to call it, then okay, I can see them wanting to put this in the middle so that they can end that at issue 12 mm-hmm. and then jump right into it, but I don't, I don't know. I was kind of, I was disappointed when I realized that like they're doing it this way. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I mean, I, I think, I'm pretty sure that they have the, the timing and the layout you know, yeah. set the way that they need it, so. And I mean, it's not going to be that big of a detour because it's like we call it a two issue crossover, but it's one issue of this book and one issue of Blue Beetle, and they're both in the same month. So it's like <clears throat> it's a, it's going to be like a brief like there. It really will be like Kyle and company pops back to Earth, has a little misunderstanding with Blue Beetle, and then zips back off to to space to deal with this. But I don't know. This was a definite buy for me. Well, I knew, I knew, like going in, I knew this was <clears throat> like your your uh, feelings about the book notwithstanding. It's essentially a tales of the core for Arkillo. So I'm like, ah, oh, Jim's gonna love this. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Yeah, <clears throat> I put it as a buy as well. I mean, you know, it's it's a good story. It's great art. Um, <clears throat> You know, 
like you said, it's a Tales of the Core, and we don't get a lot of them, and especially we don't get a lot of them that are that, you know, great. So. And it's Arkillo helping to blaze the trail of of a, a new generation of Yellow Lantern, maybe. Yeah, well, I mean, I always love that as far as, you know, new rings that are special and different than everybody else's. I always love that concept. So. <laughs> How long do you think it'll be before we see him start to make copies of his ring and start recruiting a yellow core of his own? Um, I don't necessarily know that that's going to happen, only because I doubt the weaponer would build that function into the ring. You know, like, because he obviously, you know, saw that there was a problem with it last time, and if he does that, if he has that feature in there, then it's one less thing for him to be able to control. Mm -hmm. I think what is more likely is that Arkillo is going to be the one that reactivates the yellow power battery on Oa hmm. and awakens the existing Sinestro Corps members and takes control of them that way. Yeah. Maybe makes himself the centerpiece of the Corps this time. <clears throat> yeah, I gotta say, on the cover here, when they have just the word Yellow Lanterns all done up like the uh, the title logo of a book, that just, that looks great. I love, like, I love the idea of them, like, because, I mean, I've, I have a love-hate relationship with the name Sinestro Corps, and I, like, more often than not, I'll just call them Yellow Lanterns anyway, so to actually see it, see it done up in print like that was nice. Mm -hmm. um, the only downside to this is that we have no idea what happened to the net. Do you really care? I don't uh, care. I mean, I'm curious about it. Eh, relaunch. I, I mean, like, if it's a relaunch thing, then okay. You're just going to sweep it under the rug and forget about it <laughs> completely. But I don't necessarily believe that it was completely <laughs> forgotten about. I mean, look, I didn't read Brightest Day... But everything I've gathered is that everything to do with that net was, was retarded. So I don't... Like, if they never bring it up again, I will not care. <clears throat> we'll see. Yes. So this is a good month. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> three out of four ain't bad. Three, uh, three and a half. Now, listen, this is the first time in a while that I can say, I can honestly say it feels like all of the Lantern books as a whole are pushing forward with the overall story of this section of the universe. Mm -hmm. And like for that, that alone makes Red Lanterns go up a few notches because they're actually doing something that's going somewhere. I'm sure that within like a month or three, I will get into Red Lanterns again. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's just going to go like that. It's just going to be a cycle. Yeah. Well, I hope... I hope... Uh, actually, when does that happen? I hope within the next month or so you start feeling that way because we're, we got a uh, crossover with Stormwatch coming and we're reading it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll 
We'll see. See how that goes. Yeah. We know that they have a Red Lantern power battery in uh, in that room. Well, that's not Stormwatch. Um. That was the government. Ah, uh, whatever. <laughs> They're not related at all. No. Can't, can't be bothered to care enough. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no. Great issues of Green Lantern. Looking forward to the next month. Yes. Have you been uh, reading the animated series comic yet? I've been getting them. I haven't read them yet. Yeah, same here. Yes. By the way, I think, well, as we record this, mm-hmm. it's, I think we have one more week before the show finishes for the season or the half season break or something like that mm-hmm. as you're listening to it it happened two weeks ago <laughs> but i would lo- i would like to do a just general discussion about the animated series episodes sooner rather than later um we can yeah. wait we can definitely wait until like you're in your new place or whatever yeah we'll wait till we we move <laughs> and have cable again Yes. I was going to ask, like, do you, like, I don't know how you've been watching them. Like, would you be able to at some point, like, sit down and, like, rewatch the series at any point? Um, well, that depends on the cable, you know, once I get it. Because I'm getting a different cable setup, so I'm not really sure about the on-demand is going to go with that. Okay. Because I, like, I don't have a TV at the at the moment, so I've been watching it through like iTunes. Okay. And I don't I don't know if there's a way I can send you those or probably not. Yeah. But I mean, if I have to get them on iTunes myself, I'll get them on iTunes. Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to make sure we were both like up to speed on all of it going into the thing when we do it. Let's see. Is there anything else we need to go over? Um, I think we should call in a night with this episode. All right. <clears throat> and on a fairly positive note. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess. Okay, so if you want to contact us, you can do so at lanterncast.gmail.com. Do you think Alan Scott will be gay? You son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't. Uh, I think he could be. I hope they don't do that. Would you really care, though? I kind of would. You know, like, for the most part, I don't... I don't care. Like, if you create a new character that's gay, I don't care about that. But... The fact of the matter is, you know me with, you know, Major League retcons anyway. Mm. You know, like, whenever they get rid of an established history, you know, I'm usually not the biggest fan. You know, like, what they did to Clark Kent and Lois Lane, you know, Mm. where they're no longer together, they're not seeing each other at all. Even uh, Barry Allen, you know... They, they got rid of his marriage. I didn't like that either. And I could care less about Barry Allen. 
yet I hated the fact that they got rid of the marriage. I find it odd that you were planning on reading the Earth 2 book then. <laughs> oh, I, I was definitely going to read the Earth 2 book. That's a, everything you're describing is what they're doing, and you know that going in. I know, but I'm also going in with the the idea that certain things are going to... I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. Yeah, and we should say that uh, DC kind of cryptically announced at some con I've never heard of before that... Wow. <clears throat> yeah, Kapow? I don't, I don't know. Sure. They, <laughs> that um, they're going to be uh, reintroducing a established DC character that is this time around going to be gay instead of straight. And they haven't said who, but it's apparently somebody who they're, they haven't already reintroduced, which kind of, I think points at the, the new wave of uh, new 52 books and earth two just started. So yeah, Alan Scott's a candidate. Well, yeah, but Alan Scott has already <clears throat> been introduced before they made that announcement. When did they make the announcement? They made the announcement um, <clears throat> this past weekend as we record this. And by the time this episode comes out, I'm sure that it'll probably be, you know, like well-known who, who the character actually was. But Oh, probably. Alan Scott, you know, he debuted in the first issue of uh, Earth 2. I did get a chance to read Earth 2 number one, mm-hmm. and... He's there for, like, three pages towards the end, and you find out basically nothing about him. Well, the other thing was, um, Dan DiDio has gone on record as saying that they're not, they don't want to switch the sexual orientation of, a like, a, a character where it's been well-established. But if there's somebody where it's either been ambiguous or never really, you know, laid out as, um you know, like, you know, being part of the character, then it's somewhat fair game. So, you know, like, like I said, like, my my big issue with that is that you have, you know, Alan Scott, married, two kids, the man literally went to hell to save his wife. Now, I mean, you know, like, I, that that to me is like you know how do you just how do you just forget that like that's that's key to his character you know he loved his wife so much that he went into hell to save her life yeah but I, you know like at I, the same time that's not this Alan Scott I know and I I, I don't I don't know. I guess, but the, the, to me, the same thing would be if they took Batwoman and made her straight. Like, I really, I wouldn't have any interest in them doing that either. You know, you have a character who, you know, you create, and she's a lesbian. It's like, why would you, you know, then change her, you know, because it's part of her character. Yeah, but to that point, the original Batwoman created way back when wasn't a lesbian. Then when they reintroduced the concept of Batwoman well, in Batwoman, today... Yeah, but that's you're talking about Batwoman as in somebody else that's taken up the mantle. Well, yeah, but in both cases, it's like they took like a Golden Age character and put her into the modern age. Like, the name of the character. Like, it, it's Kate Kane 
in both generations. It's just Is the it? one... Yeah. It's just like the one wasn't in continuity anymore after so long. So here's Kate Kane now, and she's a lesbian. Was she definitely not a lesbian back in the day? Oh, God. Back in the day, Batwoman's purpose was to, like, fawn over Batman. And, like, Batgirl was always trying to be Robin's girlfriend before, like, Barbara Gordon ever existed. I don't know. It, it feels like two completely different characters with that one. Um, I mean, it would be like if DC stopped using Kyle Rayner and then in 40 years they introduced a Kyle Rayner character that was, that, blonde, that was blonde and gay. Yeah. Now, I mean, and if you had like, you know, several crises in between there so that, you know, if you were to look back, all the stories that happened, you know, with our Kyle Rayner were on, like, Earth-42. And all the stories with the new gay blonde Kyle Rayner happened on Earth, you know, 26. I wouldn't have a problem with that. And, you know, if if this, you know, like, okay, granted the Alan Scott that's on Earth 2 isn't the same as the original Earth 2 Alan Scott, but still it kind of is because of the way that they're portraying it to me. If that makes any sense. Kind of. <laughs> kind of? I, I mean, yeah, kind of is as good as you're going to get on this one. Um... Like this, like this is the main Alan Scott. There is no alternative kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Like this is this is their their Alan Scott. It's not like they're saying, and you know, this is like the direct correlation between this universe and the last universe. You know, this Alan Scott and that Alan Scott are basically one and the same. It's just that this is a slight retelling. You know, modernizing him. Like some of the the other names that I was hearing, you know toss around were Vibe or Wildcat. Hmm. Now, I mean, I know Wildcat had a son, but I don't remember reading too many stories where he had love interests. Yeah, and realistically, having a kid isn't isn't something that knocks you out of quali- out of a out of a being a contender here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I like Wildcat. Um, I haven't read any stories where him being, you know, gay or straight really factored in one way or another. Yeah. So, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, you know, one way or the other if they, you know, decide to make that change. But I mean, like, I guess the, other, the what it comes down to for me is that if I was a comics creator, um... And granted, when you make a character for, you know, a major company, you know, they'll do whatever they like. But I mean, if you were the guy, you know, if you were Judd Winnick and you created Terry (laughs) Berg and all of a sudden Jeff Johns comes along and says, you know what, I'm going to start using Terry Berg in stories, but I kind (laughs) of want him to be straight. I mean, like, would people would people not be up in arms about that? I I don't really think that's the same thing. Is it? Well, 
just like <clears throat> Terry Berg was created because of a specific a specific st- kind of story that Judd wanted to tell. Like when <clears throat> like when 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 Judd introduced Terry, you like he knew he was going to be doing the hate crime story. You know, I don't like this isn't <clears throat> this isn't like like uh, I I feel like a big stumbling block here is like we don't actually know where the impetus for this choice came from. We don't like the assumption. The most likely assumption is that somebody in DC editorial said <clears throat> we would like to have another gay character. For all we know, the like James Robinson could have been like working on his Earth Two scripts and then said to his editor, "Hey, you know what? I." kind of think I want to make this character a gay character because it seems to fit and I could do something with that. And he might be right. But when they make an announcement like this, you know, and it gets picked up by news organizations, you know, all all around the world, Mm. it definitely takes on, you know, the look of, you know, hey, everybody, look what we're going to do, you know? One of Yo, our but, longtime characters, we're going to make him gay. Well, the, oh, first of all, news organizations are stupid in general. Because like, I, I saw a link to Fox News' website oh, that Superman. said, yeah, DC makes Superman gay. When, no, they're not. And they never said anything remotely close to that. But hey, let's make a headline anyway. And secondly, this exact thing happened when they introduced the current Batwoman. And everything people are say, voicing concerns about in regards to this new mystery gay character now, people were saying was going to happen with Batwoman back then. And it's been how many years? And it hasn't. I don't know. Yeah. And also, we're I like how we're like assuming it'll be a character in Earth 2. Which I guess is just because that seems to be the only book out of the new crop that anybody is really going to care about. <laughs> like it could have, it could be one of the Ravengers or something. It could be Beast Boy. Who knows? Well, they they did say that it's a well-established mm-hmm. character, so it could be Beast Boy. It could be Cyborg. It's not. They already introduced him. I know it can't be Cyborg now, but it could have been. Oh yeah, it could have been. <laughs> God. So Landercast at gmail.com and we're on the Book of Faces and Twitter and and uh Lanterncast.com for our forum and such. Seven zero eight Lantern is our phone number and there we are. I feel like we're <laughs> gonna get emails on that one. Good. <laughs> Good. Actually, yeah, yeah, that would be would be nice to know Maybe. that there are some people listening. Maybe we'll get lucky and they'll make Kyle gay. <laughs> you know something? That, what? That might not be the worst thing in the world for him, because maybe then, you know, he could have a relationship that lasts more than five minutes. It's the only way to protect all of his future girlfriends, is if he just stops having them. Yes. Yeah, basically. Well, that means all the guys in the DC Universe are going to get killed off. <laughs> You know, I would be more accepting of a gay Kyle Rayner than I would a gay Alan Scott. 
Why? Because Kyle's younger? I guess so. Well, to be fair, I don't know how old Alan Scott's supposed to be anymore. I don't know. I mean, I guess with his personality type... I guess with Kyle's personality type... <clears throat> he's, like, like he's the character that's mo- the most kind of analogous to to current youthful society, so it would make more sense to make that kind of move with him out of the main Lantern cast. Oh, whoa, Lantern cast. <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even do that on purpose. Yes, and the Lantern cast is... We're going to make Chad guy. I was going to suggest <laughs> Chad, too. <laughs> Sorry, Chad. <laughs> Chad, you've been, you've been promoted to gay. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna get so many emails, <laughs> but you know what? I don't think we've said anything really negative about the whole issue, <laughs> well, except the general like, oh, they what if they're changing characters, blah 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 thing that we, comic people always go on about. But I mean, I hate change anyway, so it's which is weird because you're about to move for the sixth time in the last four years. <laughs> You think I like that? <laughs> I, think you, I think there's a reason you do it so often. I think it's a necessary evil. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to give my my uh, you know my thoughts on it. Like, I, I don't I don't mean to be disrespectful if I am. You're not. You're not. I would call you on it if you were. I just, like, I don't know. It's just, like, most of the stories that I've read with Alan Scott feature, like, him and his wife. I know. Especially all those Green Lantern Quarterly, you know. It's, like, it's basically a tale of Alan Scott where he's sitting on the couch with his wife telling stories to, you know, to the kids or whatever. I know. And I've I've read a lot with his daughter in it, but, you know? Yeah. It's a... It's a new take on the character. Fresh start. I I would actually be cooler with Jade being gay. Because then then there would be a chance she wouldn't die because of dating Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'd be fine, you know? Although uh, Obsidian is gay, so. Yeah, well. Yeah, I wonder if those two will come back into it. You would hope. I mean, for all we know, they're already alive and born and, like, 14 years old or something. I don't know. I don't know how old Alan Scott is right now. He's generic adult. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to find out who it is. Yeah? I re- You know, I, I honestly, I really hope that they stick to the idea that... Mm. It's only going to be new characters and characters where it's never been established before. It'll be Superman. Maybe, oh my god, maybe it'll be Bizarro. Because he's supposed to be the opposite of Superman. Superman's straight. Yeah. <laughs> and he drinks fire, and he's afraid of water. And, and he lives, he... But he lives underwater. Yeah, that's the one. What was the rest of that Seinfeld episode? <laughs> I don't know. I just she like living underwater. 
He like eats paper and he he can see sounds. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder when James will stop liking us. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but how funny would it be if, like, he actually inserts a recording of him just saying, it's like, yep, that was it. <laughs> and then it just ends. Yeah. And then the, just the rest of the episode is just, like, us stuttering and, you know, completely unedited. Uh. <laughs> I should probably okay. send him a warning about the Avengers spoilers in the last episode. Uh, did, his, did his country get the movie yet? I don't know. Because I know it was... No, he, it should have. Because I know Hell it... Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, they, didn't they get it first? I don't think... No, England. England got it first. Oh, that's true. I thought it was... Wasn't it England and the UK? No, England is the UK. Yeah. Yeah, did Australia get it? <laughs> I don't know. I know, I think, uh, some country didn't get it yet. Is Some country's not getting it until, like, next month or something. I want to say it was, like, China or something. I don't know. I hear the Somalis pirated it. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, Okay, everybody. Uh, 708 Lantern Cast. Oh, us, yeah, we're still doing this. <laughs> send us your angry voicemails. And emails. Any mail. Yay. Snail mail. It'd be great. Good night, everybody. Good night.